Welcome to See Through Hobart Online. You're listening to a message in our newest series, Our Highest Pursuit. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Morning, church. It's, uh, it's a pleasure and a privilege to bring the word to you here today. Um, I think I'll start by introducing myself. Just been introduced, but I'll do it again. It's in the notes. Um, my name's Sam, and uh, my hobbies include chat and rubbish, as well as taking things very unseriously. Uh, I oversee the youth ministry here, um, which is a whole heap of fun. So if you're in grade 5 through to 10, um, last Friday we had a dodgeball night, and uh, come along next Friday from 7 till 9, and you'll find out what we get up to. If you're in grade 10, 11, or 12, on the 3rd of November is the date of our next hangout. Um, but now that my advertising is out of the way, shall we pray? Lord, we come to you this morning because we want more of you. We want to hear from you. We open our hearts to hear what you want, God. Lord, guide me, guide my words. I pray that I speak what you will. And lastly, Lord, I pray for peace and comfort on all those who are listening here today, and even the person on the back row who's not listening as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the, uh, the topic for the sermon is uh, the highest pursuit. Uh, we've had some good messages over the past few weeks about the highest pursuit. I think it's a pretty good topic. And uh, within that, I've chosen to, uh, to preach on why. Why is I choose to try and keep God as my highest pursuit? Um, and so, yeah, I hope that this is an encouraging message and uh, I'll share a bit of my heart and my story within that as well. Um, now, a bit about me. I've been in the church for, for my whole life. I've, um, I grew up in the Middle East, and I've seen the church at work there in a country where freedom of expression actually isn't, isn't, uh, isn't a thing. Uh, I've, I've been to Mexico, and I've been building houses for people who lived in what we would describe as sheds, um, and I've seen God involved in a whole heap of things throughout my time. And uh, I'd just like to say that, you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty down with, with God. I think he's, a, he's, worth, he's worth giving you time. Um, so, but for me, I would say there's, uh, there's two reasons that stand out above all the rest um, as to why I follow God. Um, this isn't a uh, theological discussion. This is more of a, my opinion, and I hope to share my heart with you all. Um, and so I'll set the scene. I've got a picture to show you all as well. I'll set the scene for my first reason. And uh, yeah, so there's your boy. Um, that is me and my friend Toby. And uh, as you can tell, there's a little more. The hair on my head is now on my chin. It's because we're on the other side of the world. So it just kind of swaps around when I cross the equator. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in that picture, I am on my way to get on a bus. That's the bus station. And uh, I'm off to uh, spend my gap year serving the church. Now, the reason I was doing this is uh, because my plan for life had kind of gone out the window. Um, I was dealing with some, some hurt a bit of disappointment, um, 
And I was getting on, on the bus because I was banking on one verse in Romans 8.28, which says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So my first reason is, uh, is purpose. At school, I did very well. I was uh, getting a lot of A's, A stars, things like that. And I had an offer to go to a prestigious Russell Group University to study engineering. Um, unfortunately, for various reasons, when results day came around, I fell significantly short of what I was predicted and my potential. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but when all my friends went off to university um, and I was sat at home watching it all happen on Snapchat, I was uh, also working for my dad doing a bit of interior decorating. You can understand that that felt a bit like I'd been left behind. Um, and I was clinging to the hope that despite what my grades said, that my life wasn't about to be a waste of time. I was pretty upset at life. And uh, the friend you saw in the picture, his name's Toby. I remember when he'd previously asked me if, uh, if I wanted to do a, a gap year serving the church, I had laughed at him. But uh, yet there I was, sitting on the coach, off to serve the good Lord, who I had previously thought myself as having better things to do. But as I said, I was clutching at this one straw that God would work this out for good. Um, that despite my plan for life being a bit of a fail, uh, I was still a called according to his purpose. Um, ironically, the church that I went to serve that year had just bought a new cathedral-sized building, and I spent a significant amount of it at the top of scaffolding, painting the interior walls of it. So it's what I was doing previously, just with a slightly different perspective. God uh, did some work in me that year. The program invested in me as a person, and uh, I, I came to the conclusion at the end of that year that whatever my history or my academic achievement, that God was going to use the years that I gave to him. Uh, so I gave him the next year as well, and I ended up on the other side of the world in a place called Hobart, which I hadn't previously heard of. Um, but, yeah, if you give God... Your, your life, it's not going to be a waste of time. So that's my first reason. My first reason is purpose. My second point is peace. The peace that Paul describes in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, he describes as peace beyond all understanding. Um, the passage reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will God's, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, now, sometimes coming to God and giving him your struggle is half the battle. We can want to soldier on and just hustle a little bit harder and it'll get better. But sometimes to stop and say, God, I need help, um, is harder than it may seem. I've found that through giving it to God, things often work out. Often not in the way you'd planned or the way you wanted it to, but they do work out. And when all is said and done, you can look back on it and you see that God was there with you all along. To get on your knees and ask God for, for strength, even whilst things are probably in turmoil, you've, I've found that when you surrender, in that moment when you surrender and say, my strength is not enough, you find the peace that can't, can't be explained. It's kind of like a blanket that just sort of wraps you up. A blanket from heaven. It's, uh, it's probably pretty fluffy. 
Now, if I can get a little, little bit real with you for a second. Um, if I had known ahead of time that a global pandemic would shake the world and I wouldn't be able to go home and see my family for, for more than a year, um, I probably wouldn't have come back after my holiday in England for Christmas. Um, as much as I love you all, sorry. But, yeah, my friends have had graduations this year that I've wanted to be at. And there are times in life when sometimes you just want to sit on the porch with your dad and drink a Somerset cider. Um, but I do miss my family dearly. And, uh, but through it, God has given me the peace which has granted me the strength to carry on through that. Um, but that's why the peace of God is so amazing. You know, if you're at the pointy end of running a business with millions of dollars on the line and that's on your shoulders, or if you just miss your mum, God can be your comfort through that. Um, and that's, that's my second reason why I follow God, is because the peace of God is readily available to you for the one reason that he loves you. Um, so that's that. At the, uh, the beginning of my message, I set out with the goal to, to encourage you all um, in your walks with God, as well as to share a bit of my heart and my story. And I hope that you do feel the peace um, that is readily available to you um, as Christians and continue on in the faith, growing in your understanding of God and to be spurred on to whatever your calling is. Now, uh, to close, I'd like to speak to all of you who aren't sure what your calling is. Put my youth, youth leader hat on here. Um, and my advice would be this. God will use you in whatever capacity you're down for. But give it to God and ask him, what is it that he, you want, he wants to do with you? Now, uh, one of my favorite Bible verses, uh, Micah 6, verse 8, says, Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. You don't have to be a pastor to change lives. You just need to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Thanks, church. Jess is up next, so put your seatbelts on. Hi. I hope I've turned this thing on. I think I have. Yep, I've got it all good. I'll put it away and I'll get myself ready. How are you guys today? Good? Good? It's good to be at 11 o'clock. I'm, I'm not a morning person. I like to sleep in. So I like all you people. The 11 o'clockers, you're my people. If I haven't met you before, my name is Jess, and me and my tribe of Byfields, they don't actually belong to me, I, th I think they kind of belong to like my parents, I'm not really sure who has the authority over them, but there's a whole tribe of us anyway. And we've been coming to C3 Hobart for, I think about three or four years. Um, I grew up in the church when I was younger, but then we moved overseas, similar to Sam, to the Middle East, and just couldn't practice being a Christian. It was illegal to go to church. It was illegal to own a Bible. It was illegal to have a Christmas tree. You couldn't have anything that had anything to do with God. So we spent a lot of time over there. Um, and then when I came back to Australia, spent a few years doing all sorts of things as a teenager that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But eventually I found myself back in church. And when I did, I had a three-year-old boy. I was a single mum. And I was in my third year of university. Everything was pretty good. 
I started coming to church every Sunday and loved it. I loved it here, loved the people, had so much fun. I joined a connect group of other mums who were such a great support and just such great people too. I didn't think that church was full of so many cool people. (laughs) I quickly found out differently. Everything was really, really good. Life was going well. And then I started dating a guy from one of my uni classes and life was even better. I'd found myself some love. But then I started to drift away a little bit. I stopped reading my Bible so much because I had a lot of readings to do for uni. And it was kind of just a chore to have to read more things. So I put that away. I didn't feel like I had to come to church every single Sunday. I could kind of just come every few Sundays or maybe miss one every few Sundays. I stopped going to Connect Group because that was a Thursday night and it was an evening that I could have spent with my new boyfriend instead of going and hanging out and reading the Bible that I didn't want to do. But I wasn't worried though because my life was still good, right? Like I wasn't some sinner whose life was falling apart and everything was coming apart at the seams. My life was good. I had a happy, healthy kid. My family loved me. I was in uni. Everything was going okay. Everything was good. Can we jump into our Bibles, guys? If you guys have got them, we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you've got your Trash Your Bible, that is page 1,258. Now, while you guys find chapter 10, I'm just going to give you a quick Cliff Notes version of the first 10 chapters, just to get an idea for what Paul was talking about to the people in Corinth. So in chapter 3, Paul says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. In chapter 4, Paul warns them, some of you have become arrogant. Chapter 6, I have the right to do anything you say, but, he warns them, not everything is beneficial. He goes on to talk about food, sacrificed to idols, and says we can eat anything. We know that that doesn't matter. But is this harming other believers? Paul has a theme to all of this. There's a theme that's running through this. The people of Corinth think that they're all good. They think that life's all good, that they're doing okay. Then we get into chapter 10, verse 12. And Paul says, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. That's pretty much my message, so I think I can just go now. (laughs) That is my message in one verse, is what Paul said there. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. My first point is this. Know your weakness. Paul said, if you think you are standing firm, not if you are standing firm. We think we're standing firm. It's when everything is going good in my life that I start to get complacent about my walk with God. I'm like Peter. I'm all full of faith, thinking everything's all good. I've stepped out of the boat. Me and Jesus are pals. We're all good. But Peter was smart enough to realize as soon as he looked at the storm that he started to sink. It says, when he began to sink, he immediately cried out to Jesus. I'd be standing there on the water, looking at the storm, going, don't worry about me. I'm all good. Me and Jesus are good. I'm the one that got out of the boat. Don't worry about me. And then I'd feel the water in my ears. It's a nice day today. I can go fishing instead of going to church. I can miss this one. 
I don't have to go to church to experience God. We're the church. It's been a long day. I didn't get time to read my Bible. I was busy with Jack. I was busy with work. And now it's late and I'm really tired. So I'm just going to go to sleep. I don't have to read my Bible to know God's laws and God's ways. They're written on our hearts. I don't need to pray. I don't have anything to pray about. My life's good, right? I don't have to ask God for anything. And if I did, he knows what my needs are. These things are all true. There's nothing wrong with any of that. His ways and his laws are written on our hearts. He does know our needs. We are the church, but they're our armour. By doing those things, I'm protecting myself. I'm putting on my armour to protect myself from the devil's attacks. Knowing and reading his word is my belt of truth. Going to church, knowing that I'm loved and I'm, I have right standing with my God is my breastplate of righteousness. Praying to him that his will be done, not mine, is my shield of faith. I honestly think that one of the devil's favorite weapons against us is complacency. The complacency of life going okay. even more than misery, even more than sin, even more than weakness, even more than failure. Because if you push someone to rock bottom, they're likely to start crying out for a saviour. They're likely to start asking for help. But if you just let them slip into complacency, they don't even realise that they've got a problem. They don't even realise that God's missing. This is what Paul was warning the Corinthians about. Do not deceive yourselves in thinking that you are wise. Don't think you're standing strong to then fall. Know what your weakness is. When are you most likely to leave God out? Is it in the shame of sin? Or is it in the arrogance of complacency, like me? My second point is this. Be careful that you don't fall. That was the second part of the verse that that Paul said, be careful that you don't fall. If I'm being careful about something, I have to actually do something. If I'm standing on a ledge and I'm worried that I'm going to fall, I have to take a step back so that I don't fall off the ledge. There's action required. So Paul's saying, do something. So what do I do? I ask myself this question. Is this something that is pushing me closer to God or is it taking me away from him? What's the thing? It can be anything. Relationship, like it was with me. Work, money, friendships, a decision that you're making, a lifestyle that you're pursuing. Six months into that relationship, I woke up to myself a little bit and I realised that maybe life wasn't going quite as good as I thought it had been. Maybe I wasn't standing quite as strong as I thought. I was on the borderline of failing some of my units at uni for that semester. The boyfriend who, he didn't believe in God, um, but I thought that I was all good and strong in what I knew, he'd started asking lots of questions and I didn't have any answers to them. My faith was challenged, really challenged because of that. And I wasn't going to church where I might have had the advice and support that I needed. And I wasn't reading my Bible where I might have found the answers to his questions. I'd become complacent and I was struggling because of it. I hadn't put my armour on because I'd thought that I was standing strong. 
And I was left with uncertainty instead of a solid foundation in God. I was left with fear instead of peace. I was left with shame instead of confidence. I ended up in the kitchen one day and things had gotten to the point where I was praying to God, asking him to show me that he was even real. I'd only been back at church for just a few months over the relationship, so probably six, eight months or something like that. And so I'm standing there in the kitchen and I'm going, I I believe in you, God. I've always believed in you, but please just show me that you're real. Like, give me a sign. Show me. Where are you? Show me that you're here with me in this, that you understand what I'm going through, that you're here for me. And I had the most amazing experience with the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life. I had this feeling of just peace and certainty wash over me. I realized that some of my circumstances did need to change and I did need to make some different decisions. For one, I needed to actually study to pass university. But my focus needed to change, more importantly. I had let this situation push me away from God rather than making sure that it pushed me closer to Him. Now, I understand that This probably doesn't apply to a lot of you in here. You're not worried about a boyfriend dragging you away from God. You're probably happily married or you're a boy and you don't want a boyfriend. I don't know. (laughs) But this can be anything. It is the thing that I was talking about earlier that you are pursuing and it's taking your primary focus away from God. So maybe you relate to the rich man in Mark chapter 12. He had a good relationship with God. He'd spent his whole life upholding all of the commandments since he was a boy. He told Jesus. But Jesus said to him, you have one more thing to do. You need to give up your wealth. You need to give up this money that you have and follow me. And that's when the man's face fell. He became sad and he walked away. God didn't have anything anything against this guy having money, but there was a problem when he started to put the pursuit of that above God. So maybe you have a good relationship with God and you're a good person. You uphold the commandments. But money's a bit tight at the moment. And the church is doing okay. They don't need your money, right? Maybe it's the job that you protect at all costs. So you hide your faith or you sacrifice time with your family because you don't want to cause waves at work. Maybe you're like me and you made concessions in a relationship because the times have changed And the world's not the same place that it was when the Bible was written. Maybe you're doing or saying things with your friends that go against your values because you don't want to be left out or you don't want to be seen as that uptight Christian. Please don't be upset with me, guys. I'm not saying that you have to quit your job. I'm not saying you have to get rid of your friends. I'm not saying you have to end your relationships. God can handle our weakness. He's got enough grace to cover it all. But do you trust God in those circumstances? Because you can. You can trust Him to have your career and your job. Even if you do have the bravery to share your faith and you think that might cause waves. You can trust God enough to know that you can follow His his path in your relationships. You can hold His values above the values of the world in your friendships and your relationships. And he has that. Trust God in your circumstances. I wanna leave you guys with this question. 
Are you letting your situation and your circumstances push you away from God? Or are you making sure that it pushes you closer to Him? I'm just going to pray and then we'll end up, guys. Lord, I pray today that you give us all the kick in the butt that we need to wake up from our own complacency. To take heed of what Paul said, Lord, and realize that it's when we think that we're standing strong that we often begin to fall because we forget to put on the armor that you've given us. I pray, Lord God, that you give us the strength to do that, that you give us the reminders to keep doing that, Father. I pray that in our good times, we don't think that we're standing too strong and walk away from you, Lord, but that we come to you and we praise your name. We praise you for what you've given us and what you've blessed us with, Lord God. That we use that opportunity to show you to the world, to show your light and your love to people, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that your grace is enough to cover our weaknesses. And I thank you, Lord God, that you strengthen us through the Holy Spirit so that we don't have to do this on our own. I thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.